Welcome to the STLHighSchoolSports.com basketball show. I'm your host, Dave Quedal. Thanks so much for tuning in to our second basketball show of the school year. For this episode, I talked with longtime Vianney Hoops coach Kevin Walsh. Walsh and I discussed the challenges that have arisen during the pandemic, how hard it is competing in a league that routinely has been among the most talent-rich in the area, and what advice he would offer a younger version of himself. Also on this episode, we're going to talk with STLHighSchoolSports.com reporter extraordinaire Steve Overby. He was down at Cass Avenue to watch the Vashon boys basketball team open up its season. He saw the Wolverines take on South Iron, one of the smallest schools in the state, but a team you're going to hear a lot about in these parts this winter. Steve also had a really great feature story about O'Fallon's Peyton Sheppy, who is the Post-Dispatch All-Metro Girls Cross-Country Runner of the Year. Miss Sheppy overcame a significant amount of adversity the last year to become the runner she is now, so stick around for that story. It's a good one. Thanks again for tuning in to the podcast, and without further ado, here's Kevin Walsh. I'm now joined by Viani head basketball coach Kevin Walsh, who's been over in charge of the Griffins for this is now his 21st season, five years before that as an assistant. Walsh, thanks so much for joining the podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I'm uh, glad to do it. Well, we've made the transition on the show from football to basketball, and, and one of the overriding themes during football season was it's unlike anything we've ever seen. That theme continues as we are kind of... I don't know, about a quarter of the way into basketball season as as it is currently structured. And uh, you're a group who your preseason didn't look like the way anyone thought it would. You're in St. Louis County, obviously, so masks are required when you're in the gym and playing and practicing. Just how, how crazy has this been trying to to get your guys to play ball and just get a chance to have games this winter? Well, one of the things I, I think that, that all coaches would agree on and, and the players too, and, and I think parents as well, is that, you know, every chance you get to go in the gym is a gift and every game you get to play to not take it for granted. It, it is obviously hugely different. We just in the month of November alone, we, we had two 10 day shutdowns because our school went full virtual and, and we're not allowed to practice when we'll, when we're virtual. So today was our 21st practice of the season um, normally that puts us into the week of Thanksgiving and we're into the week of Christmas. So it is very different. You know, I think as a, as a coach, the challenge is not to freak out like, Oh, we don't have this in, or we don't, you know, we don't have eight inbounds plays in, we might have three inbounds plays in that that's been a challenge for, for the guys. The mask thing is, is certainly a challenge and, you know, we're a program and, and we're, we're a school that, you know, we're going to try to do what's expected of us. So if they tell us to wear the masks, we're going to wear them and we're going to ask our guys to to keep them up and do it the right way because we want to continue to play. Um, but, but that is challenging. We've got some guys who go through probably six or eight masks in a game and a practice because they're sweating through them so much. It is different. Wow. I'd, I'd seen some of the guys wearing the medical ones and, and, mm-hmm. and they do fall down. Some guys have tried gaiters and it's, it's just, it, it seems, you know, playing basketball with something on your face is hard to do. I know guys talk about when they have to wear the face mask cause they have a cheekbone or a nose that was broken. And, and that used to be the, Oh God, this is so hard to play in. Now everybody's got a mask on their face in St. Louis County. I can't imagine. Yeah, it's, you know, and again, I guess what I go to is, heck, two months ago, we just kept saying all we want to do is have a chance to play. Just give us a chance to play. And, 
you know, our guys have been very good about, Hey, if, if, if we have to wear them and have a chance to play, then, then we'll wear them and, and we're doing the best we can. It's, it's not perfect. It is challenging from a, a breathing standpoint. I also think it doesn't get talked about as often, but even sometimes a vision standpoint, cause the mask can ride up or even the, the part that loops around your ear can get into your peripheral vision. But, you know, we're, we're all trying to get through it and, and we know it's not ideal, but everybody just wants to play ball. And how hard is it as, you know, coaches are a group that, that get into rhythms. You have, you know, things you like to, you know, your creatures of habit, I guess is what I'm looking for. How hard has this season being been for you guys to, or at least you in particular, to divorce yourself from what has been to just kind of rolling with, with what you got? I'd imagine that's been, been has it been hard to check yourself or, or just 2020 continues to beat you over the head that it's not hard? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't call it hard. I, I would say it's just different, you know, and, and I think we started learning that, you know, as, as far back as, as March where, you know, we had a great baseball team at Vianney and a great volleyball team and our lacrosse team was going to be really good and none of them even got to play. We jumped to virtual school and we're trying to learn that summer camps were blown up and opportunities in the summer to work with our guys, our contact days were so limited. So it's just been, you know, kind of adjusting as we go. I, I think maybe the value of, of being experienced in this is though I do have certain things that, that I, I love to do. A lot of those nowadays are more the team building things, which stinks that we don't get to do the team dinners or we usually go away on a weekend team retreat in November and, not being able to do those things stink and, and it's a bummer because the kids lose out on those, those experiences. But, you know, I, I think really what, what we're trying to do is be as flexible as we can. And, and the truth of the matter is we've learned some good things about maybe, Hey, we used to always do this because it was what we always did. And now maybe we're realizing we don't have to do all of that. So I think teams and coaches and programs that can adapt through the season are going to hopefully find success you know, this year down the road or even into, into, uh, next season and beyond. And how hard is it for you to try and put a plan together? Cause as we've seen, I mean, anytime it seems like I have a plan about what I like to do, things change. Um, what is it like for you trying to figure out practice and, and games and all of those things? Cause the Viani tournament did not happen. The Jerry Beckman Memorial, uh, the Merrimack tournament, coaches versus cancer, that didn't happen. It's just been so different. What's it like just trying to figure out what the week is going to look like? Do you get to do that or do you literally take it day by day? Well, I, you know, I think we do. We do take it day by day. You know, I, I put a practice plan together last night in preparation for, for today. We didn't have school today, so we we're going to go in at noon and at 10 o'clock, one of my players texted me and said his dad wasn't feeling good yesterday. The doctor told him to go get tested, so I told him to stay home. A little bit later, another guy texted said, hey, coach, I kind of got a headache and a runny nose. Said, well, stay home. So what I had planned with three teams of four and two teams of six now becomes just 10 guys. And, you know, it's, it's just that flexibility that you have to always have, even in terms of games, you know, you – hop on STL today and you look at, okay, who's, who's lost games, who has games on their schedule that, you know, they haven't played. And we were supposed to play Priory tomorrow night and they couldn't play. So we shifted and Melville's agreed to play us. So we're going to play them on Wednesday night. And I think that's just the reality of 
what we're dealing with. You, you got to be resilient and you got to be flexible. That's been kind of our message to our guys all year. And what is it like for you as a guy who likes to prep his team? You like to scout. You're, you're a coach who's always in the gym checking things out in the winter, seeing who's got what, who's doing what. One, because it's your job. Two, because basketball is, is, is just fun. But, but for you as a guy who's like preparing for Priory and all that Coach McCormick's guys bring, and they're playing really well, to now yeah. changing over to a Melville team who's put a couple of games together. What is that like for you? Well, you know, thank, thank goodness for huddle because now you can get filmed pretty quickly. Um, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this because I think she's figured out this year, like, wait, you can scout and not have to go to watch games. <laughs> it's not the same. I am it's kinda, not the same. Right. I'm kind of old school where I like to go with a pen and, uh, and some, and some scouting forms and, and do it in person. I just think you learn so much more, but you know, you, you adjust to that and we're able to get huddle film and we're able to, to watch and you know so but yeah you do end up putting in work that ends up being thrown away or you know in my case I save it and if somebody needs help down the road and I have some stuff on let's say priory that we didn't use I'm always happy to share with coaches and that's kind of the fun part of building those relationships and you try to help guys out because somebody's going to pick up priory on a day or two's notice and, and want a little help along the way and we'll be able to try to help them. And as, as I said at the top of the show, this is your 21st season. Among the longest tenured coaches in the area, What did you imagine when you uh, took that job in your first season, 2000, 2001, that in 2021 you'd still be steering the Viani ship? Uh, I hope so. Uh, you know, that's my school. I went to school there. I played basketball there. I love the place. You know, I always tell people I was fortunate that I got my dream job when I was 26. I guess I was 26 when I took over as the head coach. And, you know, there's I've never really looked hard at, at other jobs. I've been been really blessed to have great administrators who have supported me and have helped me along the way. And then, you know, we, we have wonderful players and wonderful families. And, you know, whether we're whether we're 20 and seven or seven and 20, our kids work really hard. They buy into what we're doing. And, you know, it's kind of neat to, to look back at those relationships from 20 years ago and think, man, I'm still connected to those guys and they can still come to a game with their own kids and say, hey, there's my coach down there. I played for that guy. So that to me is, is very special. So um, I've dabbled in administration, but I've never really had the desire to do that full time. I know a lot of coaches move into administration. I, I just love being in the gym. I love, you know, making a scouting report, watching a team once, kind of seeing what they're like. And then by the second or third time, you feel like, you know, the other team pretty well. I I love putting a game plan together and I love building those relationships with our guys. So I have never really thought about, about doing much else. And when did you know coaching was something you wanted to do? Because I think a lot of people think, oh, I can be a coach. I can be involved with this, stay in the game, even though I'm not playing, but it isn't necessarily the, the vibe of being a player like it's it's obviously different i'm curious when you thought it was something you wanted to pursue as a career yeah so when i was uh, i guess after my senior year in in high school i'd gotten to know don mauer he was the head coach then um at st louis u high uh now he's the czar of misha referees for basketball uh he was he was in my parish and he kind of had the best grade school basketball camp in town 
And I just asked him, I saw him one time and asked him if, if he needed people to work his camp. And so he hired me and he had 150 kids in the gym and you got 10 of them in like 10 minutes to try to teach him something. And then you do stations and you'd play games. And I just loved it every day that I got to go down, down at Slough high and, and work camps for him. It was, uh, it was awesome. And, and I just loved taking a group of kids and maybe didn't even know each other on Monday and get them to be playing hard and playing for each other by Friday. It was always fun. He never gave me a good team though, because I think I was a Vianney guy, but I'm still <laughs> mad about that. The MCC rivalries run deep, Walsh. <laughs> yeah, I always got I always got the guys that signed up on the last day, but but you know what? I worked with them. I made them better. I tried tried to get the best out of them, and uh, and I loved it. I just fell in love with it. So I knew I wanted to be a teacher and a coach when I went off to college, and never really deviated from that. So how does one go about studying to become a coach? Is it a matter of going into education and, and, and you know, lining yourself up on a teaching side of things? Because I, I don't think people quite put together the, the teacher-coach aspect of it because coaches are teachers in so many ways. Sure. And, and you know, I, I, so I'm a social studies teacher and I teach some leadership classes uh, as well. And my very first principal, a man named Larry Keller, called me into his office my first year as a teacher and I was the assistant coach and he said, Hey, I want you to know that, that wherever I've been, and he had been a long time administrator, he said, the best coaches in our building were also the best teachers. Mm-hmm. He said, you, if you're going to be a, a great coach, you got to be a great teacher because that's where you get the kids respect. So, um, yeah, I, I went to a small college in St. Louis, Fompon university and, uh, played basketball there. And just cause I love to play, and knew I wanted to probably stay in St. Louis. So I was able, you know, Don Maher was a great mentor to me. Uh, Bob Steiner at the Smet became a really great mentor to me. Terry Cochran, who before he was my assistant at Vianney, was at Oakville. And those three older guys, for whatever reason, maybe they just felt bad for me that I didn't know anything. <laughs> they just kind of took me under their wing and they helped me. They taught me how to scout and how to prepare. And, you know, and so it's funny now, I feel like, that's kind of part of my responsibility for that next generation of coaches to try to help them prepare. And, 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 you know, not that I have all the answers, but you know, you want to kind of pay it forward. So that's kind of how I got into it. And I, and I do love being in the classroom. You know, I, I get to, I get to coach, but you know, I'm teaching six hours a day and, and, and I love teaching any subject, any group of kids. It, it's a passion of mine. And like you said, you, you, you've done a lot of scouting and, and that's really tested because the conference you, your guys compete in is routinely among the best conferences in the area, if not the best, depending on the year. What is it like when you're every year, you've got guys like a Jason Tatum, you're going to have to deal with, or now, you know, young Terrace Reed and, and the guys at Chaminade or Caleb Love, who just graduated CBC. I mean, the, the DeSmet guys are as good as they've been in a long time. St. Louis U highs. Brandon McKissick will be back in town with UMKC yeah. this week to play the Billikens down at Chaffetz. Every year, your conference is, is trafficking in high-powered prospects and players. What's it like competing against those guys, man? You know, it, it's awesome. I, I mean, I, I love it. I wouldn't want it any other way. Now, uh, if we weren't in that league, would, would my career record – be better probably <laughs> um but you know what during during the the shutdown when the nba was in the bubble i 
turn on the games and it was a double header and in one game uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Tyler Cook were playing in it and then the next game Jason Tatum was playing and I thought gosh I, I've coached against all those guys multiple times you know and mm-hmm. we got two we got two seniors this year Ethan Lattimore and Luke Sheeler and I was talking to them the day Texas played North Carolina I'm like and you guys can go home and watch a game where you've guarded two of the guys that were that are featured in in that game you know those experiences are so cool our, our kids get to play so many top flight players and people and you know what we don't back down we we compete we we stay in games we you know we don't always win them but but our guys don't don't quit and you know I remember when Jason his rookie year scored like 40 on the Lakers or somebody and I text a couple guys I'm like hey remember when I screamed at you for not being able to stay in front of Jason Tatum? I'm, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> probably become apparent that, uh, that you're not the only one that had that issue. So, but, but they love it. They, we come back and we talk about those games and, you know, and then, you know, when you knock them off, you know, we, a few years back, we beat Chaminade with Jericho Helms right before Christmas. And man, no, that's still some of those guys' favorite memories. So, you, you know, would, would I like to win the league every year? That that would be great. But but just having the opportunity to compete against them and the, the quality of the coaches is, is so good in our league, you know, it, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. I, I always get fired up to do it, and, and our guys try to rise to the challenge, and, and they do a great job competing. I want to say 2012 was the last time the Griffins won the Metro Catholic Conference. Do I have that right? To to correct you a little, the only time we've won it. But yes, we did win it in 2012. That's okay. We did win it in 2012, um, and that you know we went eight and zero, and that was a that was a great team. We we had all kinds of pieces on that team. You know, it's funny. I've I've coached one Division One player in my career. Paul Paradowski went to Southeast Missouri. Mm -hmm. Think think about all the Division One players in our league, and and we've had one. Um, So hey, if you're out there, come be number two. I don't know. I could get in trouble for that, but that year we had four division two players and, uh, and, and those guys could play and, and we ran through the league eight and oh, and it, that, that was, that was awesome. That was a, a fun year for sure. Well, I, that was a great year and your, your Griffins got to the quarterfinals, ran into defending champ McClure North who, who did beat uh, the Griffins that year. Next year, rematch with the team that didn't. Uh, what did you guys go? Twenty-eight and one, or twenty-eight and two? Twenty-seven and two. Excuse me. Twenty-seven and two. So follow up the next year, rematch in the quarterfinal with two-time defending champ McClure North, and then beat the the <laughs> beat the beat the Stars to go to the Final Four, uh, the first Final Four for the Griffins. Do I have that right? Correct. Yep, that's the the first Final Four for us, and. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. You know, that, that, that 2012 team, they, they wanted so badly to be the, the first to go. I, I still think about that. And I really, I always think, you know, as coaches hindsight, 2020, like our guys were so amped up and so ready. And, and then I miss, I misread the room and I wanted them to be fired up and not scared. And I think I just cranked them up so much that they got real tight before the game. And, probably the worst, I mean, worst first half of basketball we had played and McClure North was, was very good. And, and coach Reed, you know, he, obviously his, his achievements speak for themselves and they they were ready and they knew how to stop us. And, 
you know, back then, you know, they switched us one through five, which was pretty unique at the time. And, and their five guy could guard our one guy. And that, that made it hard for what we were doing offensively. And then we lose like nine seniors off that team. Tony Cochran, our all-time leading scorer, George Suggs, who was an inside outside threat, you know, and people thought we'd take a, a step back and we had two great seniors and Sean O'Brien and, and Brad Woodson, who, who got a lot of time. And, uh, the next Cochran, the the fourth in the line, Tanner came in as our point guard. <laughs> yes, he did. And uh, and he did a great job. We had another senior named Mike Whitware who stepped in, and then we had a couple football guys, Division One football guys, Kyle Markway, who's now uh, on an NFL practice squad, and Jordan Hardwick came in, and you know, all of a sudden they just kept getting better and better, and they didn't they didn't listen to any of the noise about how how we were not going to be any good, and then we got a rematch with McClure North and. Before Randy ended up going back to Ritter, he'd always see me and say, there's a guy that drove me out of high school coaching because that was his last game before he went to Forest Park. So I always enjoyed that with, with him. But that was a that was a cool experience for our, you know, for our whole school and our whole program to to be able to go down to Columbia. That was pretty awesome. And what is it like to get that opportunity for as a guy who's been doing it 21 years? You're obviously well aware of how fickle it can be. So what what does what does that mean to you as as you you know look at twenty one years, man? Well, I mean th- that that moment going to the Final Four, it, it wasn't just about that team or even the team before it. It was you know prior to that, I think we had been to the quarterfinals three times since I had been there. Ninety two, the late Jerry Beckman had a great team, and you know I mean it, that's that's something that that the whole community gets to celebrate. And there's a lot of great coaches that that never, never get the chance to get there. And, you know, my hope would be that every, every coach would get a chance to experience that because it's just, it's so great. Terry Hollander had said, you know, Hey, I know you got to get them ready, but enjoy this week of practice with them. Cause, cause there's not a lot of teams that get to do it. And I, and I tried to do that that year and tried to slow it down, but it, it, it just goes so fast. And next thing you know, you're down playing at, at Mizzou arena and, you know, now JQ Hammonds, but you, know, you you do it once. You're like, man, I, I want to go back because you've learned so much and you want to try to get a chance to get back there. I've always, I've always loved the idea that if you get to the quarterfinal or get through the quarterfinal, you have that whole week together because everybody obviously doesn't get that. So you get, you know, five, six days of practice, then two games. I mean, I know there's some third place games aren't a whole lot of fun. And there are teams, obviously, that don't want to play in third place games. But I thought the idea of having two games together, regardless of what happens, would be a nice a nice way to end the season, especially for a team that, that with the seniors who will never be together again. Are, are you a third place game guy or would you rather just shut it down after the semifinals? That that is so funny. Uh, I used to be uh, shut it down after the semifinals um, until we lost in the in the semifinals. semifinals. <laughs> because you know, if you think about it, no one knows when their season ends except the four teams that go down there, right? Sure. You know, sure. It, and and that one when we lost, we lost to the Smet, um, and they they were very good, and our guys were devastated. They they you know they, they went down there to win. They they envisioned winning it all. And so they were devastated and, and we, we ended up losing the, the third place game too. We finished fourth. Um, so we just say we're state semifinalists. We don't say we finished fourth. Uh, 
but to be able to look at him and say, hey, fellas, we get to put that uniform on one more time. We get to come back together in this locker room one more time. We get to play for each other one more time. Um, you know, if they got rid of it and they said, hey, we're doing all the classes at the same place and it's going to be just a festival of basketball, I, I could be on board with that. But mm-hmm. I, I was thankful that we had a chance to play one more back in 2013. That's awesome. So I, I like to ask the guys who've been around a while, just what it, like you said, you were 26 when you got the job. What would, what would Walsh now look back at that young Walsh and, and tell him? What, what are the, some of the things you've really kind of thought would go one way, but you found out, shoot, it's 180 degrees from where I thought it was. What kind of advice would you give to those young coaches, especially young Walsh? Uh, well, to me, I don't know about other young coaches, but to me, I would say chill out, <laughs> chill out, relax. Like not everything has to be uh, World War Three. Not everything has to be a fight. I, I feel like when I took the job that Viani's program, you know, wasn't wasn't well respected and people didn't look at it as a competitive basketball school. So I, I think I felt like I had to fight for every inch and. I was horrible with referees and um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that those guys on those early year teams honestly still speak to me. And I, I'll tell them that I'm like, I have no idea why you still talk to me because you know, everything was just more, more, more. And, and I've learned sometimes you got to step back and having a practice with less will pay off down the road. And I just used to drive and drive and drive so hard the kids the officials and it's crazy my my oldest son's an eighth grader and he jumped on this baseball team when he was like in first grade and the coach sent the roster the kids and and i I won't say his name but uh there was a referee's kid on there and i thought oh gosh this isn't gonna be good (laughs) and then and and we've become very good friends since then which is great but talking to him about that he's like well i saw your son's name and thought the same thing like this is gonna be brutal so it's funny, like you learn that the relationships are the important things and it's coaches and referees, the relationships that, that we have, it's coach to coach, right? You're like, I'm not competing against the other coach. It's our teams competing against each other and, and we can have a great relationship. And then obviously the relationships you have with your players and heck, I, you know, I even have good relationships with guys we competed against who, you know, we want to do everything in the world to beat. And then those guys have end up working camps for me. Um, Seth Jackson, who played at CBC, has worked worked camps for me forever. And we're still in touch. And he's in the basketball program at George Washington now. And and we still stay connected. So it's just, it's things like that, that as a young coach, you think you got to win everything. You got to fight for everything. And you know what? Uh, Take a deep breath. And in the end, it's all going to be okay. Well said. Kevin Walsh head coach at St. John Vianney High School in South St. Louis County. Uh, Actually, in Kirkwood, excuse me. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. We appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. This was fun. I appreciate it. Have a Merry Christmas. Thanks again to Vianney coach Kevin Walsh for joining the podcast. We appreciate it. Up next, Steve Overby is going to talk about watching the Vashon Wolverines make their season debut against South Iron, and he'll also discuss his feature story on O'Fallon's Peyton Sheppey right after this break. I'm now joined by Steve Overby 
who covers a variety of athletic endeavors for us at stlhighschoolsports.com. On Saturday, he was over at Bashan watching the Wolverines make their season debut against South Iron, a, a one of the smallest schools in Missouri, but, but a real hot item this year for area basketball teams to play because they're supposed to be really good. Thanks for joining the show, Steve. What was Saturday like down off of Cass Ave in North City? Very interesting, Dave. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Bashan uh, played well in the second half and pulled away to a 72-69 win. The game was closer than the 23-point margin looks, but uh, they had their hands full for a while. This scrappy little Class 1 team isn't bad, but uh, Nick Kern, the Virginia Commonwealth recruit, uh, took over down the stretch, finished with 27 points and 9 rebounds, and 15 of his 27 came in the fourth quarter. And Vashon scored 30 points in like six minutes. Like an NBA team, they just took off and ran away and hid. But they're very interesting for three quarters. And this is a Vashon team that lost three Division I players to graduation in uh, Cameron Fletcher, Kobe Clark, who went to Georgetown, Fletcher uh, to the University of Kentucky, which, as we're recording this, has been kind of in turmoil after Coach Calipari said Fletcher stepping away, and it's been kind of a back and forth there. And then Philip Russell was their kind of point guard for that team. He ended up at St. Louis U as a late recruit after his uh, recruiting at SEMO. He uh, decommitted after their coaching staff change and whatnot. So I'm curious to see your thoughts on uh, the newest addition to the Wolverines, a, a young man by the name of Gilbert, who's headed to UNLV. It's his first year at Vashon. He, uh, his family's from St. Louis, his brother Corey Gilbert, played at Vashon, but I'm curious what you thought about the the new young Mr. Gilbert. He played very well. He played very well. Had, I think, 14 points, but he ran the show on the offense and very, very quick, lightning quick, up and down the court, uh, very good defensively. He gets in the passing lanes. He He's good at anticipation. Uh, as you said, he's going to UNLV. He'll be a nice... Uh, Nice fill-in for, for Vashon. Everybody thinks they lost everybody, and they did. But uh, but with Kern and Gilbert, those two can uh, can take you a long way. And uh, there's no doubt, as uh, Tony Iron said, by the end of the season, they're going to be a threat. They're going to be a serious, serious threat. Anybody who doesn't think Vashon's a threat isn't paying attention. So uh, you mentioned earlier South Iron is, is Class 1. I, I believe the, the, the Missouri State High School Activity Association listed their enrollment as a total of 61 students? Yes, they have uh, 61 students. Uh, they have a graduating class coming up of 15, so those ceremonies will be pretty quick. But down in their neck of the woods, they're very strong. They're very tradition-rich. And uh, this season, their coach, Dustin Dinkins, who is won uh, numerous games. He's just been a legend down there. He's in his 18th year. And uh, he had mentioned that last year they were 29-0 and before losing to Dora, the eventual state champions, in the sectional round. And even though it's a 29-1 and season, he said the townsfolk and himself and even the players were somewhat disappointed. You know, they wanted to go all the way. So this year, with that in mind, he has put together a rugged schedule that I'm sure no Class 1 team has ever ventured to try. They play, they play Vashon, on Saturday, earlier this month, they lost to Elias. They've got CBC coming. They're going up here to play CBC in January, and Cardinal Ritter, the defending Class 3 champ, will go down there later this season. So right now, uh, the South Iron Panthers are 5-2. and two. 
And their two losses came to Vashon and Elias, who were scheduled to meet in the final four last year before COVID took over. So this team might not have that glowing record going into postseason, but they're going to really be battle-tested. And uh, given the amount of kids in the, in the class, they're, uh, they're pretty strong. they got a player named Brock Wakefield, 6'4", forward, kind of a swing guy. He's going, he's going to Division One. He's going to play basketball at the Citadel. He's also a baseball pitcher, and he wants to play there. And uh, yeah, they put together quite a program. Jenkins is 383 and 98 in his 18 plus seasons. And small town, big community, nothing to do. Uh, some of the parents told me, you know, in the winter they just open up the gym and, uh, on Friday and Saturday if they're not playing, and the kids go in and shoot, and the other kids come in and watch them. And it's just a social thing to do down in Annapolis, which is about 110 miles from St. Louis. But uh, you know, they had mentioned that uh, normally they travel well. They were only allowed 40 40 tickets, but. Uh, Quite a program down there, and uh, they are—they're uh, looking at the big picture. They're not necessarily the regular season record, but they're—they're uh, they're itching to go to the four in Class One. And if, uh, if anything, if any indication Saturday, they certainly are going to be a top for Class One eighteen to beat them. Like you mentioned, their schedule is is remarkable considering their Class One, um, but that because of the pandemic, it opened up opportunities to find opponents, especially for teams like Vashon. Cardinal Ritter, CBC, those teams traditionally travel out of state. They, you know, they go to tournaments, showcases. They're going crisscrossing the country to play the best competition. I think Coach Irons told me, uh, Coach Irons from Vashon told me in the preseason that they lost like 14 games between tournaments that were were shut down or they couldn't travel to because of all the restrictions and the virus and whatnot. So South Iron became the team. It's like, yeah, we'll play anybody anywhere, and because it's hard to get people to play of a of a certain quality, they became the go-to team. I know Coach Tatum at CBC was pretty excited to have them on the schedule. I know Coach uh, Ryan Johnson at Cardinal Ritter was 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 excited to take his team into a place that that he's hoping will be a hostile environment that his kids will have to kind of figure some things out on the road. So it's unfortunate for the South Iron kids. They didn't get the true Vashon experience because when that gym is full and it's rocking, there are very few places that can, that can match its intensity and just passion for basketball. But still, getting the chance to come up and play in, uh, in the Wolverines' den is, is no small thing. Good for South Iron. Plus, they got to stop at a local convenience store and eat pizza on the way back. That was a, that appeared to be the highlight of the trip. The kids were pretty fired up for that. But the Wakefield kid, ironically, played uh, on the Gateway uh, club team a few years back with Nick Kern and Rico Bailey. And that's kind of how they made a connection. And that was the start of what put this game together. Rico Bailey is a starting point guard for Sean. He's a senior this year. He was a big part of the team uh, last year. Uh, kind of filling in that the fifth starting spot, depending on uh, the lineup Coach Irons trotted out there. So basketball community in the in in the city is pretty small, but but like you said, even in the state, it can be that much smaller when you include club teams and things like that. Really cool stuff. And South Iron actually played with them for three quarters. It was an eight point game midway through the third, and a ten point game early in the fourth, and then. Bashan reeled off like a 16-2 to two run, and they scored seven points in 12 seconds and stretched it out and one going away. But uh, they made him sweat a little bit. This was not easy. Not, the final score was not indicative of how well South Iron played. Going to be tough in Class 1. Lord willing, we get to the end this season. Because as we saw last season, you never know what's going to happen. 
So, I, Steve, you, like I mentioned at the top, you cover a variety of uh, activities and athletics for us here at stlhighschoolsports.com. And one of the things you recently did was, was, was put together the feature story on the girls' uh, all-metro cross-country runner of the year. Her name's Peyton Sheppy from O'Fallon. And her story is really unique. Obviously, she's an incredible runner, a heck of a season in the fall, because cross-country did get to run pretty much uninterrupted um, in, in postseason competition. But what made Miss Sheppy's story so unique uh, as you got into telling it? Well, at this point last year, she was in a rehab center for an eating disorder and depression, all which came about last fall when she uh, broke her foot and was not able to run in the state meet. So about two falls ago, actually. And uh, she just kind of uh, kept uh, sliding downhill till uh, finally they, she decided to go to a nutritionist and they put her on a scale and she weighed 91 pounds. And at that point they said, uh, you know, you're going to need professional help. But she's battled some demons and she came back to have a real good year. She finished second in uh, regional and second in uh, sectional. There was no state championship, but had there been one in Illinois, she would have certainly been a contender for it. And, uh, you know, she's kind of went about her battle quietly. She didn't tell her teammates. They all just thought she was home nursing the broken foot. She was in a boot. She really wasn't doing some serious uh, therapy and uh, apparently is on the track to the, on the fast track to the right side. Uh, she had not told anybody, but she felt like, uh, she could tell the story to us and that we could, uh, you know, write it up as a warning to other little girls, you know. The general consensus among cross country is uh, the less you weigh, the faster you go, and that's not necessarily not seriously right because uh, it can lead to trouble like that. But uh, she went through some tough times and has bro broken through, and it's it's really good to see. It's an enlightening story. Usually we do these things, and you know the feeling. You write them, you move on, and you forget about them. But uh, this girl is something we'll remember. She uh, she's been through a lot, and it's uh, good to see her on the right side. And when, uh, obviously, she hadn't told anybody, so when you go in to start doing the interview and, and kind of, you know, doing the thing we do, asking questions, trying to figure out what the story is, I mean, how did it even come about? Was that something she was open to talk about, or did it take some, some courage on her part to open up and share that part of herself? It took some courage on her part. I was talking about how tough it was to sit out with the broken foot and what, uh, you know, how painful that must have been for her, both mentally and physical and physically. And she kind of took a time out and wanted to talk to her mother. And then she came back and said, look, this is the true story. This is what happened. And I want to tell it. I want to get it out there so other girls can realize that uh, you don't have to lose weight to be good and you can eat normal and healthy and still uh, still be a successful cross-country runner. You don't have to weigh 90 pounds to, uh, to get the job done. So it was brave on her part, and uh, it's appreciated. I just hope others see this and can... Uh, Anyone is out there looking in, in kind of trouble eating wise, you know there are there is help out there, and uh, she's proof that you can get it and turn your life around. Now you had mentioned this time last year, and, and it, you, this was part of the lead of your story was you know, her Christmas last year was memorable for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, she went to the McCollum Place Eating Disorder Center in Webster Groves. It's pretty much 24-hour lockdown. She wasn't really allowed to say what went on, but uh, pretty serious uh, therapy going on. And, uh, you know, she wasn't allowed to go home or anything. The only rule they allowed is the girls could, and boys could go out for four hours on Christmas, return home, return, go home for Christmas, come back, 
after four hours and get back in the uh, back in the center. And she chose to take that option and uh, had a quick Christmas with mom and dad, and then headed back to where uh, headed back to lockdown. So uh, at this time last year, she was in a very low place, and now she's in a very high place. That that's very courageous on her part. I'm glad she was willing to share her story, and I'm glad you were there to tell it because everyone's. Thank you, thank you. It's, uh, she'll be she'll be a sentimental favorite next year across country. You, you just got to root for her. You know, she's a D one girl. She uh, she has several offers. She hasn't decided yet, but she will be running cross country in uh, in college, and it'd really be nice for her to next year to kick off her senior season and uh, go for a title. So, Steve, your week is always interesting. What is on tap this week for for you covering stuff at stlhighschoolsports.com? couple girls basketball games, and uh, later in the week, I think Wednesday, we're going to go down and check out Chaminade and see what they've got cooking. So uh, a lot of basketball, and as you know, the, the holiday season usually is filled with hoops. It's not as packed as it used to be due to COVID, obviously, but there are some tournaments. The Visitation Girls Tournament is going on. The tournament at Summit is going on. St. Dominic traditionally has a boys and girls tournament. That is going on. So there will be some holiday hoops. Certainly hope so. St. Dominic was looking for a team to fill out its girls' field today after Francis Howell Central had to uh, pull out. I'm assuming it's COVID-related. That's usually what the schedule changes these days and times are, are generally about. So I, I hope the holiday hoops go go off without a hitch, but everything in 2020 has a hitch to it at this point. So best of luck next week. I We talked to Greg Upton a couple weeks ago when he had he was on his third game of the day that he was supposed to go to because it's just the way the schedule breaks nowadays. Yeah, it's crazy. And with no basketball in Illinois, you know, two of the tradition, the Collinsville Holiday Tournament and the Modern Day Christmas Tournament, they're in their 70th and 50th year approximately of running continuously. So that's going to be sad that there's no uh, nobody filling up the gym at Collinsville. That'll, that'll be a very empty feeling for those East Side people. And Centralia canceled early, too. It's it, A winter in, in Illinois without high school basketball is just very bizarre. I mean, it was bizarre not having football in the fall, don't get me wrong, but basketball especially is just such a heartbeat of, of the community in the Metro East and actually all throughout Illinois. I mean, they invented March Madness for Pete's sake. So I, I just hope we get hoops over on the on the Metro East sooner than later. Yeah, it is sad. I mean, at least Missouri's playing some, but uh, yeah, you got to feel for those Illinois people and those small towns that live for this stuff, and they're just being uh, just nothing to do right now. Nope. Well, Steve, have a happy holiday. We appreciate it. You too. Thanks, Super Dave. Thanks again to Steve Overby for joining the show. We appreciate it. That's going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. We'll be back in the new year, hopefully talking about all the basketball that got played over the holiday break. Until then, stay safe, and we'll talk at you later. We'll